It's time now for Illinois Innovators, spotlighting the leaders in research, technology, and entrepreneurship from the engineering at Illinois community. Welcome to another edition of Illinois Innovators. I'm your host, Mike Kuhn. The United States has set an ambitious goal of sending a manned mission to Mars during the first half of this century. This will likely also mean several more trips to the moon, something that we haven't done in nearly 50 years. Combine that with other potential space missions and logistics will be a big issue. Koki Ho, an assistant professor of aerospace engineering at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, and his team of graduate students have been exploring how these missions can be completed efficiently. He used data from previous missions to create models, and his results were recently published in the Journal for Spacecraft and Rockets. In addition, Professor Ho directs the Space Systems Optimation Lab at the U of I. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you. So I guess start, uh, just kind of talk about what space travel looks like in the next 20 to 30 years. What are some of the things on the table, and you know, how do you think things will be different than they have been, to say, over the last 20 or 30 years? So I think, um, so NASA and uh, all other space agencies that are working with NASA um, aim to send humans to, to Mars uh, within the next uh, a few decades. And uh, that is a, a primary motivation for a lot of the space exploration activity that are going on. And one of the uh, intermediate destinations that we see are very important for Mars exploration is uh, is the moon or the space between Earth and Moon? What's called cislunar space. Uh, it's uh, it's being demonstrated in uh, different uh, studies um, that uh, there is a very uh, we can leverage this cislunar space and the lunar surface uh, to prepare ourselves better for Mars exploration. So that has been a, a kind of primary motivation for some of my research as well to see how the cislunar space and uh, uh, the moon itself can help our exploration for, for human Mars uh, uh, to, to Mars. So that's, uh, I think this, you know, cislunar space and moon will be a very key uh, for the, uh, for the um, immediate next step of, uh, of space exploration. All right, so it's been since the early 1970s since we uh, have landed um, somebody on the moon. Obviously, technology has changed immensely since then. So wh what can we do to, to kind of prepare for what that craft is going to look like and what the mission might look like, at least uh, initially to, to get to the moon, but to get back to the moon? Yes. So I think, uh, so this time we're going back to the moon for a very different reason as uh, what we uh, went there with Apollo missions. So at that time in Apollo missions, the primary motivation uh, aside, uh, uh, besides the scientific exploration, is more the political uh, driver. So uh, compared with, for example, Soviet, the uh, United States really want to send a human to the moon before Soviet. So that was uh, kind of one of the big goal that we had. But this time we're going back to the moon for a different reason. It's uh, more for uh, scientific exploration and, and also for, for uh, preparing for human space exploration. So uh, one of the examples that I see that uh, is very different from what we uh, had in Apollo time is to extract the resource from the moon. So um, there it has been, um, uh, so there are research that claims that there are resources on the moon uh, like uh, water ice or um, oxygen that can be extracted 
uh, and uh, obviously can be used for human space exploration. So that's something that in Apollo time we, we never thought about, but uh, um, but this time uh, when we go back to the moon, this will be a, a very key, um, uh, one of the key goals of, uh, of leveraging the lunar environment to extract the resource. So we, uh, the Apollo mission, of course, was a, was a space capsule on top of a rocket. We went through the space shuttle era uh, where we had basically an airplane attached to uh, a fuel uh, cell. Um, what will the, the spacecrafts look like as we go back to the moon? So actually, so space shuttle was a, a great idea, but uh, it has been also shown that uh, it's not very economically viable. Uh, as a reusable, um, uh, reusable, reusable spacecraft. So um, actually we are kind of going back to the Apollo times, uh, the concept where we have the, uh, uh, instead of having the, you know, airplane-like space shuttle, we still use rocket, uh, we still use a uh, um, capsule um, s to, to land on the moon and come back. So, um, so I think uh, we are kind of, looking at different trade space and uh, uh, trying to find what is the optimal design uh, for, for the lunar mission or for, for uh, human space exploration mission in general. And the vehicle design is really one of the key. And one of the uh, kind of technology breakthrough that SpaceX brought uh, to, to us is, uh, is a reusable launch rocket. So that um, can really reduce the cost of, um, of launch dramatically. So that can uh, lead to a s uh, cost saving uh, compared with wha what we did with uh, Shadow or others. But uh, we have never uh, tested the human exploration missions with a uh, with, um, uh, reusable rocket. Um, so this is something that uh, probably will happen in the near future. And uh, we'll see how far this will lead to. So the really the development of the spacecraft, it's still kind of open-ended as to what that will look like. Yeah, so NASA has its own plan, and uh, SpaceX has, has a different plan, and uh, uh, probably other international partners may also have different plan. And uh, so um, regarding the immediate next uh, lunar mission, um, so how the architecture will turn out to be will, will depend on you know who will work on that and how, how it will, uh, which one turns out to be the most efficient and so on. So you mentioned, you know, part of uh, a lot of people in your place's motivation is the Mars uh, exploration. Give us a little idea about your background, how you got into it, and, and uh, you know, who, who are you affiliated with, collaborating with, who's on your team? Yeah, so uh, as, as you introduced earlier, I'm uh, currently directing the Space Systems Optimization Laboratory at uh, um, aerospace engineering department of UIUC. And uh, I originally got my PhD at MIT with uh, uh, Professor Olivier Devec. So uh, with him, I was working on uh, um, uh, uh, developing a mathematical optimization approach to space mission design and to evaluate what is the impact of having different technologies for, for human space exploration. So one example is, for example, the uh, the resource extraction, as uh, I just discussed earlier. So how much this uh, resource extraction from the moon will impact the mission from cost-benefit point of view is something that uh, um, I, I uh, was very interested in, and I developed a mathematical framework to, to achieve that. And at that time, we collaborated with uh, um, uh, NASA JPL, um, Caltech. 
So um, there are some uh, engineer system engineering uh, uh, experts there who are interested in space logistics um, research, and um, so I have been collaborating with them. And also, uh, uh, recently we've been awarded uh, um, two NASA contracts. One of them is to look at the space. The commercialization of uh, space exploration, not necessarily only uh, not only for human, but but for space development in general. And the other, we are specifically looking at this uh, resource extraction, uh, what we call in situ resource utilization on the moon. So uh, both of them are with, with NASA. One of them is with uh, NASA Ames. The other um, uh, is uh, the funding comes from NASA headquarter human uh, exploration mission directorate. So uh, those are the folks we have worked on, also uh, work, worked with. And also uh, there are commercial companies that uh, uh, who are very interested in those research. We have worked with the United Launch Alliance, who's interested in to see how the uh, commercial cislunar infrastructure can really um, uh, change the way we explore the space exploration. And uh, uh, we enjoyed working with them as well. Well, you mentioned uh, in your report, and we'll let you get into that a little bit later, but um, that perhaps the thing that makes the most sense is not necessarily thinking about always launching from Earth, such that Apollo did. Can you can you elaborate on that a little bit? Uh, we Are we talking about launching from space itself, from launching from the moon? Uh, talk a little bit about that. Yes. So uh, I believe, and uh, uh, this is a motivation for many of my uh, research papers, uh, and the research project uh, um, that uh, if we want to design very efficient space exploration, we should not follow the uh, what uh, Apollo did. I mean, okay, Apollo did uh, what Apollo did works for some cases, but it's not a universal solution. Uh, what I mean is that uh, um, in Apollo time, we basically launch everything in one big rocket and go to the moon and come back. And in the next mission, we do the same. We launch everything in the rocket, uh, in the single rocket and go to the moon and come back. However, that is not necessarily the most efficient uh, approach um, if we start to think about the sustainable space exploration. So what, what I think is very important for future um, exploration is to look at uh, these missions from a campaign point of view. Um, so that we have uh, multiple missions designed together, the uh, earlier mission can be used to help the later mission. So again, one uh, concept is to uh, look at the resource from the moon, which is extracted in the earlier mission. So that mission itself, the whole uh, the, the objective is just to extract the resource um, or send the plant that extract the resource. And then later mission will use the resource that is launched from the moon and then we have, a, uh, for example, human launched from the Earth, and they can uh, meet somewhere uh, in between and then uh, use a resource from the moon, uh, depart from Mars. So that's kind of uh, one example concept where this uh, uh, campaign level design will come into play. We have multiple missions uh, working together uh, to achieve some common goal. So somewhat similar, I guess, to the International Space Station in that there were several missions to bring parts and to get, to get the space station built. Um, and then there's obviously things going on since then, uh, you know, not, not completely related, but re related a little bit. Yes, that's, uh, that's exactly a, a very good example. So International Space Station 
uh, has been, uh, so in the logistics term, it's been uh, using a resupply strategy. So we have a station up there and we resupply uh, all the consumables and food and even we replace the crew. So, um, and uh, Apollo style, uh, on the other hand, is uh, called carry along uh, um, style. So basically you carry everything with you for every missions. So, um, and, uh, and kind of uh, a different, another, yet another, um, paradigm would be uh, pre-deployment. So you pre-deploy something that will be used later on. And then uh, in the following missions, you go there and uh, take advantage of what was pre-deployed uh, and uh, perform whatever mission you need to do. So the, the real logistics problem for, for complex system is a combination of them. It can be a combination of a carry-along, resupply, pre-deployment, and, and uh, many other uh, concepts that we may not know yet. I would think efficiency plays an even bigger part today than it did 50 years ago just because we're all cognizant about what we're spending. Uh, companies, obviously, they have a business model to, to attain to. So you, I uh, think your results have the ear of, of several people who want to try to do this as efficiently as they can. Yes, yeah, so efficiency is definitely a very important part. And uh, it also relates to the, uh, how sustainable the, the mission can be because uh, um, uh, we... Uh, the budget situation is always always uncertain compared with Apollo time at least, and uh, so uh, we we need a sustainable plan to to enable uh, uh, affordable space missions. So that's really a very uh, important key, and uh, of course there are some other considerations that we have to make for space exploration, including the safety, reliability, flexibility uh, against uncertainties. So uh, th those are also very important key. And uh, um, uh, a lot of this infrastructure uh, design that we look into also um, is also an important option uh, as a, as a uh, building flexibility so that uh, even if something goes wrong, for example, even if the destination change in one day, but uh, all this um, infrastructure we have deployed can still be used for, for, for different destinations so uh, it's also a kind of a way to, to, to add flexibility into a space mission plan rather than building a gigantic rocket, rocket for a single destination. All right, I've kind of hinted at some of the things from your study. I'll let you get, kind of get into it. Uh, what did you think you might find? What did you find? You know, and how will this research kind of build for the future? Yes, so, um, so recently we have uh, published two papers. Um, so both of them are about space mission travel, uh, space mission design. So uh, the details are, uh, are the mathematical method for, for, uh, for two types of problem for these two particular papers. One of them is to look at uh, um, a concurrent optimization of the vehicle and the uh, space mission campaign. So as I said, the campaign level uh, perspective is important and um, uh, that also relates to the vehicle. So how do we design a vehicle that can be used for, for different missions um, and hopefully reuse for different missions? Uh, so obviously the optimal design for one mission is different than the optimal design for, for, for the whole campaign. So, uh, and we don't want to redesign our vehicle for every mission, which is, which is unrealistic. So that study particularly looked at the mathematical formulation to consider vehicle design as part of the uh, campaign mission design um, uh, context. And uh, the other paper is to look at uh, propulsion technology particularly. Uh, so we have, uh, uh, there are 
uh, broadly speaking, that there are two big uh, categories for propulsion. One is uh, high thrust and the other is low thrust. And high thrust uh, propulsion system uh, uh, are basically chemical propulsion system which has a, um, uh, which act like impulsive propulsion. So you usually have a one impulse of, uh, uh, of propulsion when you leave and you have another impulse to, to stop uh, yourself so that you arrive at the destination. Of course, there are also like three or more impulse trajectory, but uh, this is uh, uh, most uh, the simplest way to, to handle that. And on the other hand, um, um, uh, the low thrust um, propulsion is also known as uh, uh, continuous thrust. So basically you continue uh, thrusting the, the, um, uh, the, the propulsion system so, so that uh, even if the thrust is small, but overall it accumulates. So uh, the trajectory design for low thrust and high thrust will be very different because, uh, because of the way um, it works. And uh, uh, so, so f like in conventionally, the low thrust trajectory has been designed and there are tools to design low thrust trajectory and there are also tools to design high thrust trajectory. However, when we look at the campaign, we, we, we are not only interested in the trajectory itself, we're also interested in when we want to use low thrust and when we want to use high thrust in the context of mission design. So in that paper, we looked at the combination of low thrust and high thrust. How do we optimally choose when to use low thrust, when to use high thrust, and, and also include the, the uh, trajectory design uh, together into the, into the uh, optimization problem. So, uh, so that second paper developed uh, the mathematical formulation to consider low thrust and high thrust together and uh, uh, design a, a, a space mission campaign uh, using, using that approach. Well, in terms of the vehicle, obviously, as you mentioned, you, you can't have one type of vehicle for every type of mission, but could, might we see two or three maybe uh, designs that uh, can be uh, you know, maybe uh, used in, in multiple types of missions? Oh, yes, of course, and uh, that, that's really what, what we are trying to find. So we're trying to find some type of vehicle design that, is, that can be used for, for multiple missions instead of only for one dedicated mission. And more ideally, uh, we can even find uh, one vehicle design with some uh, uh, options for, for, for example, expansion, uh, extension later on, or you have some extra states. If you add that, that's also uh, you know, uh, optimal for other missions as well, or, or something like that. So basically, some sort of flexible design is really um, the, the ideal. Um, of course, there's always trade-off, like that will add complexity and then you may add uh, um, higher risk. Um, so what if all this uh, vehicle design, uh, customized vehicle design doesn't work as, as intended and so on. So uh, there, there's always trade-off, but uh, uh, I think ideally some sort of uh, design built-in flexibility so that it can change its design with, with relatively low cost for, for different missions will, will be, uh, from efficiency point of view, the most ideal. Okay, so for uh, obviously we've been to the been to the moon. We've been in our orbit. Uh, from a logistics standpoint, uh, what are some of your considerations in terms of uh, going to Mars? What are some of the challenges? Yes, yeah, so I think uh, one of the important challenges is how we use uh, uh, lunar infrastructure. We will be able to or the environment in the cislunar space or Earth orbits in general uh, for for uh for mars exploration so we want to take advantage what, what we have including the international space station and and uh, all this uh plan we have like a cislunar 
uh, space hive that like gateway and so on. Uh, how do we leverage those infrastructure to enable efficient travel to Mars? And uh, uh, Mars is uh, very different from from lunar mission because it's very far away, and um, the mission will also be very long. So the uh, logistics will be the key challenge, and uh, as well as the reliability and safety issue, especially when we talk about human missions. So, uh, uh, in addition to the uh, efficiency that we have been talking about, we also need to care about the, the safety and how 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 much uh, um, uncertainty we need to consider and. Uh, uh, how do we uh, uh, deal with these uncertainties will, will also be a key challenge for for the uh, for Mars exploration. So how long will it take to get to Mars? Uh, so if we use um, the the chemical rockets, it will be a uh, ten month or so. Okay. Yeah. So talk about what the, what the future holds for you. What what are some of the next steps? Um, Obviously, there are people that are interested um, in your results. Um, what are some of the things that, that came out of this report, and, and how will this build down in the future? Let me correct that. It's not okay. Really it's, uh, uh, so, so 220 days, I think, is uh, one number I've seen. And uh, it can be shorter than that. It can be longer than that, depending on the propulsion okay. system we use. So uh, what was the question? I uh, talk, just talk about the future yeah. of you know, building on this report. What are some of the key results that you think um, came out of this particular study? And then yeah. where do you go from here? Yeah, so I think um, so for these two papers particularly, the one of them is, uh, uh, is again about the vehicle design. So we have seen that the vehicle design actually will play a role uh, for uh, for for space exploration and uh, depending on how we design a vehicle, the efficiency will, will change uh, very um, uh, very much. So um, how we you know loop that uh, into into the trade space is, is one important findings we we have uh, we have made for for that first paper. For the second paper, I think it's um, it's actually uh, interesting to see how what is the role of high thrust versus what is the role of low thrust. So uh, we all know that high thrust, um, uh, again, because it's impulsive and it, it's usually faster because, uh, uh, again, because it's, it's high thrust. So, uh, but um, it's also very inefficient because you need a lot of thruster, uh, sorry, a lot, a lot of proper to achieve that high thrust uh, maneuver. On the other hand, the low thrust is, uh, uh, is uh, very efficient because you only need a very small uh, amount of uh, propellant, but uh, it's generally slow. So there's a, uh, of course, a role each of them will play with, uh, play in the in the campaign, and uh, for example, the low thrust can be used to deliver uh, some non-human, like a rope, uh, like a, uh, some some spacecraft without human in it, because uh, usually human is more time sensitive uh, from health and other issues, mm -hmm. and uh, um, but uh, but for example, for some refuel uh, fuel that you want to pre-deploy. And all this fuel can be deployed using low thrust uh, uh, propulsion because uh, um, you can wait for a relatively longer time. Although there's also trade-off because uh, the fuel may also be buoyed off. So uh, there are a lot of uh, kind of mathematics that goes in to find what is uh, uh, when we should use low thrust and when, when we should use high thrust. So I think that that second paper really uh, develops, develops uh, optimization framework to answer those questions and they, it kind of um, uh, you know bring a new perspective of how we uh, combine this existing technology to do that. 
Well, there's obviously much interest in the manned uh, space ex exploration, mm -hmm. but there are plenty of other uh, things going on in terms of uh, rockets being put into space for satellites and, s and so forth. From a logistics standpoint, I mean, we've talked about air traffic controllers for airplanes. They've been used for years. Do you anticipate a need for something like that in terms of what it's going to be like in space? Uh, yes, and uh, actually I think FAA is, is working on that. Uh, but um, we are, um, compared with air traffic, obviously, we, we still don't have that many spacecraft to, right. to worry about. Uh, I think like from, from uh, air traffic, like space traffic control, is more concerned about, uh, for example, space debris for, for satellite operation in Earth orbit. And uh, that's really a, a key challenge to see how we can manage the number of uh, uh, space debris and how we can keep this spacecraft from being affected by debris. And beyond Earth orbit, in lunar space, in, in Mars uh, exploration context, um, at least at this point, we're not that much concerned about, about the congestion and so on. So how many people like you are working on this? Um, Give, give us an idea of kind of timeline in terms of how, how quickly do you, you feel like we'll find solutions that we'll be able to, to see and, and uh, how quickly are we talking about eventually getting uh, a manned mission to the moon, for instance, and then eventually to Mars? Yeah, so, um, yeah, so there, there are multiple uh, groups that are working on those research, including uh, the... Um, uh, group I, I did my PhD with at MIT and also um, uh, inside NASA, of course, there are people who, who really uh, care about uh, the space mission design. And um, so those are the people that we've been working with and also commercial industry uh, has been interested in those uh, space mission design as well. And regarding when we can go to uh, Mars, for example, is is kind of that, that is hard to predict. And uh, we're we are thinking probably in 2030s, uh, we can uh, send human to Mars, uh, but that would depend on not only the technical problem, but also on the political and uh, um, other issues, which, which will be uh, very important for, for those missions. So, um, so we can uh, say like when exactly this will happen. And even the mission design, uh, uh, the, the concept of uh, going to Mars, like how we go to Mars, itself is is also changing depending on the um, uh, how we look at the problem and how the the political environment is to, towards uh, NASA uh, so so we still don't have a solid plan I think and uh, uh, but but right now we we think that the cis lunar space and moon is very important and that's really really the direction where we're going for exciting stuff uh, we look forward to you know, reading and, and uh, following this as we go along and uh, keep us informed. We look forward to having you back to, for, for a follow-up. Yes, yeah, thank you very much. So I, I think like from academia point of view, from my group, and we are really aiming to uh, develop uh, uh, optimization or mathematical model and methods to, to improve this space mission design uh, practice. And uh, uh, I think uh, academia is a very good place to develop new theory, new method, for, for space mission design, and uh, I look forward to contribute to, to that further and uh, working with uh, um, experts, uh, practitioners in, in, in NASA and industry. Koki Ho has been our guest, uh, Assistant Professor of Aerospace Engineering here at the University of Illinois, and uh, we're happy to, that you uh, spent 
30 minutes or so talking about, about uh, your research as it, as it uh, relates to space travel. We look forward to having you back. Thank you very much. I look forward to coming back too. I'm your host, Mike Kuhn. Thank you for listening. Illinois Innovators is a production of Engineering at Illinois. All rights reserved. We invite you to subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or SoundCloud by searching Engineering at Illinois. We hope you'll help grow our corpse of listeners by leaving a favorable rating on iTunes. Mm-hmm.